I'm Em. And I'm Destiny. And we are Your, Your Faves Would Never. How's it going today? It's Monday. We said we wouldn't do these on Monday. I guess we Monday's keep our day. doing it, yeah. Monday's it's just not that bad to do on a Monday. I'm so tired. Well, I mean, we were tired all weekend. I'm dying. <laughs> You're not dying. Yeah, I might be dying. You don't know. Well, I mean, we're all dying in a Sylvia Plath sense. I'm dying in a more acute sense of by tomorrow I will be dead. Sure. Yeah. Well, who wants to co-host the podcast with me when M dies? Uh, I'll need a new partner, too. They don't have to be the same person? It's kind of the appeal of this podcast, I feel like. Mm. I'm just not being picky. You're dying too suddenly. <laughs> I'm kind of left without a lot of choices. You can take a hiatus. You don't have to do a podcast next week and shit. No, I feel obligated to. Mm, to do okay. a memorial one? All my I guess you can do it with my brother, then. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> that is weird. I feel like he'll just focus on all the wrong things. You give the file to Jackson to put up. Jackson knows what to do. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> How have you been? Tired. Exactly. We're all going to die. We shouldn't do these on Monday is what I'm saying. All right. We didn't have a movie night this week because we uh, were watching Hannibal. Can't stop watching Hannibal. It's you know? so fucking good. And the reason we're watching Hannibal is because we're finally done with Deep Space Nine, which is what this episode's going to be about. Uh, yes. Yes, it is. I said that because I'm just like, someone who doesn't listen to this podcast, so I don't know why I said that in that tone. Sent me a picture today of just little baby Jake Sisko hugging his dad, and I just about lost my shit this morning at work. So, if you don't watch Star Trek or Deep Space Nine, I don't know what we've got for you here. We're going to talk about Deep Space Nine. It's going to be spoilers, so my apologies. Come back next week. We'll talk about something else. It'll probably be more like a normal episode, because we won't be done with Hannibal yet. But when we finish TV shows, because that's what we do as a couple, we should do a goddamn episode about the TV show. It's we great. We will. It's such good a good content. show. I can't believe um, how good it is. Anyway, um, so if you want, stick around, there's going to be Deep Science spoilers. It's probably going to be TNG talk. Uh, yeah. Because we'll talk about uh, me getting Destiny into Star Trek in a real way. Yep. Uh, so that's your warning. Goodbye. Thanks. Sorry. Abnormalmapping.com. <laughs> so awkward. Anyway, with everyone else out of the way, all you cool Star Trek fans out there. Sup? How's it going? <laughs> you didn't have anything to follow that up with. No, nope, I just, okay. just want to acknowledge you. So when we got together, I was like, oh, Destiny, you should watch Star Trek. No, what actually happened was Star Trek Into Darkness came out. And I was like, no, 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 we have to watch Wrath of Khan before we go see Into Darkness. Oh, that's how this all got started. <laughs> and then you were like, that was a really good movie. And then we saw Star Trek Into Darkness. You're like, that's a really bad movie. I'm oh. glad you showed me Wrath of Khan first. Yeah. I'm really and I was like, what if we watched all that. of Star Trek? How would you feel about that? It's only like 30 seasons of television. And you were like, that's a lot of television, but I think we could do it. <laughs> We've been together for six years, and we have only done about half of it. Um, Which, yeah. you know, is okay, actually. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. We're doing about three seasons a year at that rate. We watched all the movies. We watched all the movies. That's why uh, I counted. It's actually less than half by season count, but if you throw in the movies, like, percentage-wise, it's probably a little more than half. Yeah. Uh, the way I remember this whole thing was you just saying, if you watch TNG, The Next Generation, Star Trek The Next Generation, you will understand me... Better. Better. Yeah. And that's why I started watching it. it mm-hmm. uh, I don't remember you kind of proposing the idea, but I just kind of knew I mean, this was going to happen. I mean, you were showing me Buffy, and I was like, you should watch TNG. I think yeah, that's how this Yeah, went. that's kind of how it went. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out that we couldn't watch those shows at the same time. It wasn't working out, so uh, we were kind of were... You gotta pick one. We were kind of trading off seasons for a while, and the then... The only reason I think we can sneak in Hannibal is because we both haven't seen it. Yes. So it's less of a slog. And it's shorter. We know we only have... And also, while we were watching TNG, you showed me all of The Wire, and oh, we watched The Prisoner right. together. And... Okay, that's right. We had shorter shows that we yeah, both had I mean, The Wire's seen. five seasons. It's a lot. <laughs> you heard that, right? Yes. Oh, Okay. Was that the front door? Or oh, was that, was, Josh? that was down the hall. Oh, God, it was so loud. <laughs> I still um, am not used to apartment life. Every little noise, I'm like, oh my God, we're going to get murdered. We're not going to get murdered. The door's locked. If you say so. It's locked. Josh I know, I know. It is, it is locked. Okay. It, I'm still nervous about murder. You know, murder can happen in a home, too. Is that a threat? No, I'm just saying, <laughs> I feel like it's more likely to happen in a home. It's true. Mm-hmm. Statistically, yes. Okay, well, then you're safer here than you ever were. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so we were watching TNG. You really took the TNG. It took you a while because the first season of TNG is it's fucking terrible. It's so bad. I was going to watch it by myself. I remember this because it was before we moved in together. Yes. 
I can't remember how long we'd been dating, but like essentially you were like, just watch an episode a night. And I got to the episode about the space Africans, which I think is only like... Episode the, three. Yeah, it's the third episode. Code of Honor. One of the worst episodes of Star Trek ever and made. I was so discouraged. I was like, is the show going to be like this? <laughs> no, it's much better than that, but it most is really shows, wrong-footed in an extreme way. Most shows have bad first seasons. Very few shows have good first seasons. The Wire seasons. has a good first season. The Wire, Hannibal has Wire, a good first season. Hannibal. Like modern shows, I guess. Six Feet Under. Yeah, there's a lot of shows. Okay, never mind. Maybe I take it back. But like... Usually, the norm, usually first seasons are rocky. Because mm. even, like, I don't like the first season of Buffy that much. It's boring. Yeah. It, it, uh, takes, it takes a bit longer don't, for don't that. Don't give a shit about work. the master. No. I don't remember who the villain is in season two. Is it Angel? Angel? Yes. Oh, okay. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Buffy. <laughs> uh, so you, got, you watched all of TNG over the course of, like, three or four years and ended up really liking it. Oh, I fell in love with it. It's a good show. I still love it. And then I was like, let's watch Deep Space Nine now. Which is a bit of a problem, because you have friends who think DS9 is the greatest show ever made, and all Star Trek is poop from a butt that isn't DS9. Yep. And it ruined, you were, You went into this hostily, you were like, oh, it can't be as good as TNG, I don't care what my friends say, <laughs> it's bad that, about it's, DS9. Which okay. I understand, because I, if I was sold that hard, I would be grumpy too. Let me speak for myself okay. about it. <laughs> my impression, it was a little less combative, it was more, I was annoyed... Because they talked it up so wildly, mm. and I loved TMG so much that I resented kind of going in because I knew that what I liked about Star Trek was not what they liked about TNG. Uh-huh. And the things they were saying about TNG, or excuse me, the things they were saying about DS9 were things that I didn't find remarkable. They weren't saying specific things, just certain things about the character. Like they always said, like, there's extras and pe- background people that become foreground people over time and it's so amazing and it's like well a lot of shows do that how i met your mother does that all the time like yes so it never sounded that remarkable uh-huh. but what always intrigued me was one black captain yes blackton and um follow like the black fatherhood angle yeah uh since there's i don't think they have any other star trek captains who have children right like, Kirk gets chill, a, no. a son in the movies. No, absolutely not. But, like, he didn't even have, like, a stable, like, love interest in the show. Yeah. And not that you have to have a love interest to have a child, but you know what I mean. Like, TV-wise. Yeah. Um, what was the other angle? A Quark. I knew about Quark before I knew about anything else Star Trek to the yeah. point where I thought Quark was a TNG character. Uh-huh. Uh, which is kind of funny. And then, honestly, that was kind of it. Oh, and then the idea of it being set on a space station, mm-hmm. as opposed to being, like, the Enterprise, mm-hmm. was intriguing. So it's not that I didn't want to watch it. I was just like, I only know a little bit about it, and then everything my friends are saying make it sound like the show is the Jesus of TV shows, and I'm never going to love anything as much as I love this. And so it was a little weird to start it. And the first season isn't... What I would call a bad first season. No, it's actually it's like compared stronger to TNG, than it's, TNG, yeah. yeah. And, but I also feel like since they already had a base of Star Trek to work from. Yeah, I mean, it's like everyone who was working on TNG, like some of them moved over, yeah. and some of them were doing double duty. Like this was a production unit that had been working for five years at that exactly. point. Exactly, and you can feel that. It feels like a more lived-in show, weirdly. Mm-hmm. Um. But there's a lot of the first season where people are just constantly repeating their roles. Yes. And what they, like, who they are. Well, especially since that, like, Star Trek up to that point had always been, uh, you can come in anytime it's, you know, syndicated out of order or whatever. TNG mm-hmm. was released as syndication. Um, and so you didn't have to watch week to week. And DS9 immediately goes for, this is what these characters do. The, pro- the relationship's going to progress. And it's kind of syndicated-ish. Like, it's kind of... Uh, episodic but the overarching like yeah. propellant of the show is very much like you have to watch the whole thing and when you get or, into later seasons yeah. it's impossible to just yes. watch one episode out of because they're context. not going to tell you who Goldicott is and what yeah, his exactly. deal is you're not going to get it you're not going to get Garrick's whole deal no I don't know why we both went to, for Cardassians for that but, I mean they're um, characters that are major characters of the show but are only in like 20 episodes <laughs> Um, what else do I want to say about what my first initial impressions? So, of course, we start watching it, and I'm like, oh, this is okay, but it's like, it's not great, like my friends were saying. It's just, it's like Star Trek, so it's good, 
but it's not amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but the deeper we went in, the more I obviously like appreciate what makes it different from TNG. Mm. Um, but do you want to tell people briefly what the premise of DS9 is? Oh. If you don't, if you were listening to this and haven't yeah, seen it, yeah, for some reason. Okay, so you got this guy Benjamin Cisco, and he is what was his rank? He was always He's a, a commander. Cap- a commander. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so he had a ship, and then his wife died in a Borg attack. Yeah. That was headed by Lacutus. 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 Yes. Sorry. The Picard Borg when they took over Picard. And so his wife dies, and then it's like, what, seven years later? Five years later? Three. Three? <laughs> oh, see, I have a horrible timeline for this. I, I only saw the episode once. Um, actually, no, we watched it twice, that first one. Yeah. Anyway, so he gets this job as the commander of the space station because there's this planet called Bajor that they need to protect because they just essentially regained their planet after it was occupied by these aliens called Cardassians. And am I like going too slow or should I go faster? Do you, what do you, you're giving me a look. No, you keep going if you want. Oh, okay. So essentially he doesn't want the position at first and like you've got He's got a son who's like preteen named Jake. Uh, there's a Bajoran woman on the station who's a major, and she's like also kind of the liaison between Bajor and the Federation, but she hates the Federation because she just sees them as another occupying force. Then you've got this changeling named Odo who's like, he was head of security while the Cardassians were occupying the station, and now the- Oh, that's right, I left over a huge part of it. The Cardassians used to own Deep Space Nine, or they occupied it. It was the Cardassian station, so it, it's theirs. Okay, so it was theirs, and then when the occupation ended and Bajor defeated them with their resistance movement, which, which Kira was a part of, um, and she still got that fight in her, uh, then that's when uh, Cisco comes in and then, like they're still cleaning up after the Cardassians essentially so anyway Odo was security there when they were there and, and he stays security chief then Chief O'Brien from TNG because you always need one character to cross over everybody knows a good spinoff has a character from the old show come over like um, you can't have uh, Don't like, ask me, even the Fonz appeared on Laverne and Shirley mm. you know like um Urkel was on Full House. Like, there's always a character, or that's not a good example. I'm trying to think of somebody who was like a permanent character. But anyway, they have two people mm-hmm. from TNG on Deep Space Nine. There's. I guess they have two. Well, O'Brien, because this is, I guess, is a classic TV move. They pick a minor character and a yes. major character. So O'Brien's like barely in TNG as a full. Em- oh, right. I thought you meant Keiko. I was oh, no, no! I was talking about war. It's a long yeah. ways down the road, yeah, but yeah, no, 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 no. that's true. Okay, so, um, oh, here's a perfect example, because you already know this, Spike on Angel. Yeah. He was a Buffy character, and then he moved to Angel. So, like, yeah. O'Brien moves to Deep Space Nine with Keiko. Yeah. Famously of Who's that. Who's in, like, six episodes in DS9. <laughs> yeah. She's barely in TNG, but she's actually really... Love her character in TNG. Mm. Like, that wedding episode is so cute. Anyway, I'm going way too slow. Um, who did I forget? Oh, then there's the doctor. And, like, he's no Beverly Crusher, you know? He's, like, British. He's kind of gross. He uh, always hits on women. He's also, like, 20. <laughs> he's, he's a so baby. Young, yes. He's a wee babe. Julian Bashir. Then you've got... Um, you got Quark. Yes, Quark. He's been there forever. He's been there forever. He owns the bar. Uh, that's the other great thing. Instead of, like, this Federation fake alcohol situation, you've got this interplanetary, um, like, meeting point where people are playing Dabo and Tongo and drinking just a variety of things. And there's Klingons and Ferengi and... Bajorans and Federation folks and like all commingling in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess that's the whole station, but Quarks is where it really pops off. Yeah. Um, who else am I? You're forgetting? forgetting Jedzia. Okay, so then you've got, if you are familiar with TNG, you've got the Trill, which was this race where like they have a symbiont 
and it gets passed on from like host to host and kind of like the Stargate monsters. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, the villains in Stargate are symbionts as well. Um, that get transferred from host to host. It's okay. really gross in that show. Okay, is everyone joined or is it just like a couple people? I think it's everyone. Oh, okay. Actually, I don't remember. Trill, it's like well. a very small amount. Yeah, of Trill, it's like you got to train and they like pick you out of a list. Like it's a big deal. So you know, you've got um, this woman named Jadzia who was the deck symbiont who used to be friends. The old host was a man named Curzon who was like really old and had adventures with Benjamin Sisko so he calls him affectionately old man and she's like the science officer yeah, she's the hot lady of she's the, show. the hot lady of the show yes even though I think Nana Visitor is hotter I agree uh, <laughs> 100% she's got a certain attitude and yeah. then like her fucking she's cool as shit and she's got really cute hair and Jadzia yeah, always but had she has like the hair. best laugh in all of yes television. she has the best laugh that's left, and it actually a really good cry too. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's like your the first few characters they introduce. Then down the road you get Worf. Yeah, after after TNG ends and after Generations, because in Generations, spoiler if you haven't seen Star Trek Generations, a fucking terrible movie. The Enterprise blows <laughs> up, and while everyone's kicking around, some Klingons show up in DS Nine, and Worf shows up to deal with the Klingon situation, yep. uh, and never goes back because there's no new Star Trek show. Though he'll show up in the movies. With flimsier and flimsier justifications. It's true. So, for a long time, I was resistant to the DS9 interpretation of Worf. Because I thought the TNG interpretation of Worf was so strong and so interesting. Because it was kind of coded black. and Yes, like, 100%. Yeah, and I really liked how he got more and more militant as yes. the show went on. Mm-hmm. Kind of finding himself in that. Yeah. And, like, accepting it. But a lot of DS9 is him... DS9, so TNG does really good work with Worf towards the end of that show, right? Yes. But DS9 does the work about the Klingons that yes. TNG doesn't okay. do. Okay, you're absolutely right. Because it's more about, it's less about Worf being a fish out of water and more about the Klingons as a whole. Yeah, and yeah. about like, Worf, and the stuff that's relevant to Worf is Worf like learned to be Klingon from books and is like really into this idealized version of his people that don't really exist. Exactly. And whenever he runs into Klingons in TNG, it's like really uncomfortable. And now he's like part of this war effort that involves just living on Klingon ships. And Klingons are kind of weird around him because he doesn't quite act like a Klingon does because Klingons love to party he's and live their lives. Formal. Yeah, he's like super formal and very serious, which yeah. of course is like what you would get if you read a Klingon book and like were really up on Klingon opera. You wouldn't get the part where everyone goes carousing and it was all like ridiculous cartoons. And if you're also racially insecure because you were raised by um, Russian earthlings. Yeah. And his, you... his cute Russian Jew parents. Yes, yes they're, they're so very, cute. They're the best. And, uh, but anyway, like if you uh, are in a situation where you feel like you need to overcompensate, like that's a totally, like that's a thing that happens in real life for people. And it's a, it's a valid response to just feeling out of place. Uh huh. Um, but it's like an insecurity thing. But I always thought that angle of Worf was really interesting. Plus, it just gets better. I don't know. I love Worf. Worf is one of my like overall. He's probably my favorite Star Trek character. He's like probably the most important Star Trek character. He's great. All things considered. I don't know. I have so many favorite Star Trek characters. I don't like ranking them or anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, one person I did overlook who is a very big part of this is Jake Sisko, who is Ben Sisko's son who grows up on this space station. And at first he doesn't want to be there, but they make a go of it. And I don't know, I just think their whole relationship is, one, there's nothing like that on TV, where it's just this like really positive portrayal of black fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Like there still isn't anything like that on TV. And what makes it so sad is because it was kind of a niche show. Um, wait, let me sum up my summary. My In, in closing, Deep Space Nine is about a bunch of different cultures butting up against each other under a guy that's like, should I be here? And then he finds out he's like important to the Bajorans. He's their emissary. And then so let me let me, let me finish your thing real fast. You okay. missed some characters. Oh so yeah, Clark yeah. runs the bar, and he's yeah. working with his idiot brother Rom, yep. who is like a technical savant, but nobody believes in him at the start of the show. He's like just a, is like that the word person kosher savant. I, don't know. Okay. I have no idea. All right, go on. Maybe not, but I mean. Yeah. Um, that's, that's how the characters portray. It's okay. Yeah. Um, I was just asked, I was genuinely curious. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I don't think you'd want to call someone that. Yeah. But that's definitely what that's the characters what coded as. Yes, because like he's a bonehead, but he can. He's yes. an engineering genius. Yeah. Um, 
uh, but that doesn't develop. And then his son, Nog, uh, who is like just like a ne'er-do-well on the station. Like in the first episode, he's being thrown in jail for doing something by he's Odo. He's a prankster, uh, and he hates humans. And then you have Garrick, who is the last Cardassian left on the station, who can't go home because of some nebulous thing. Maybe he's a spy, no one knows, and he runs a tailor shop. Uh, and is great. Uh, yeah, I was only doing major characters. Well, I mean, these are in. basically major characters. I mean, they are, but like in the beginning, they're yeah. not. You have Gold Dukat, who ran the occupation, who is the foil of the show. He's a big old villain. And goes on the most incredible arc over these seven seasons. Oh, and then you have so Kai Wynn, who's the leader of the Bajoran faith, who she kind of sucks. She's like the Bajoran Pope, and yeah. she's totally like ambitious and single-minded and like... Just loves to climb her way to the top. Like, yes. she wasn't always Kai. She yeah. starts out just as a vetic. Yeah. And then she so, yeah, makes the, her way up to Kai. The, uh, the whole thing with the show's situation is the Federation come and take over the station. Like, oh, okay, well, we'll clean it up for you, get you on your feet, and then you can take over all this stuff and things will be good and maybe yeah. Bandra can join the Federation. And then they discover a wormhole in the Bajoran system that leads across the galaxy into the Gamma Quadrant, which no one's ever been to because it's literally, like, decades away. Yep. Uh, and with that, like, everyone suddenly, like, wants to make this land grab, but DS9's already there right outside the wormhole, and thus the Federation are like, we'll just watch this and make sure that the Cardassians and the Klingons and the Romulans don't take this from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it ends up being this, uh, like, Casablanca situation. We have all these different forces that are not Federation allied hanging out in this Federation station trying to get shit done and do deals, yes. like, across the way. And then... Uh, the second half of the entire show is taken up by the Dominion, a group that's kind of like the Federation, but way more fascist, coming through the wormhole and saying, we own all this now. Yep. Oh, and also, um, I did mention this, but I want to, like, get deeper into it. Uh, Ben Sisko, in the very first episode, he talks to the prophets that live inside the wormhole. Yeah. Who are... They're aliens, but the Bajorans worship them. Yeah, the Bajorans are like, these are our gods. And the Federation's like, I'm pretty sure they're just aliens who live in a wormhole, but whatever. But they choose Ben to be, like, sort of their voice. Yeah, their emissary. Yeah. So, well, yeah, but, like, they I don't remember if they actually say to him, you're the emissary. Yes. Or if, okay, or if the Bajorans put that on him. Mm, fair enough. Yeah, I didn't know if the prophets put that on him or the Bajorans put it on him. But either way, he sort of becomes, like... There's some really funny, to me, stuff about him not, like, rejecting it at first, where it's, like, people want him at their weddings, because it's mostly Bajorans on the station, and, like, bless my pregnant wife, and all this stuff, and he's like, oh, no, this is weird, and then he slowly gets more and more into it, to the point where he becomes fanatical. Yeah, and Starfleet hates it. Yeah, Starfleet hates religion. Yeah, but they also hate one of their officers like gallivanting around as a religious figure in a nation that, or any people that they're that's not part of the Federation. Like it's really it, like because well, it feels like a weird overreach of power. Like the Federation yeah. are like, no, we can't do that. That's weird. We yeah. can't be in their religion. There's a lot of times where like he violates a lot of Starfleet regulations in the name of being the emissary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I that's, that's kind of the premise. So how do you feel about the show all told? I'm really it... sorry we took so long talking about the premise, but the show's a very complex show. There's <laughs> a lot going on. <laughs> what were you asking? How do you feel about the show overall? I loved it. Did you? Okay. It was there were so many like emotional highs and very few lows. Okay. Like all the episodes that I feel like you didn't like, you were like, this is a bad one. I was like, I still enjoyed it. <laughs> but I also have the thing, and this is gonna if this separates me from your average Star Trek fan, I kind of just like Star Trek for Star Trek's sake. Mm-hmm. I'm not really picky about it. Okay. Like, my friends were like talking up certain moments in DS9 and I was like, yeah, it was nice but I actually really like, you know, like I'm just, I don't know. I just... I mean, The Visitor exists. Oh, don't talk about it. Take Me Out to the Hall Suite exists. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> These are like fan favorites for a reason. But like, when my... You don't like Far Beyond the Stars, we have to break up. But... It's... I don't dislike it. I just thought it was a little hokey. It is a little hokey. It's the best. But I loved it anyway. Like, you see so few things tackle race in a real way. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that the space show is doing it. Mm -hmm. That's what I was saying. Okay, so the relationship between Ben and Jake. I feel like it's overlooked because it's a Star Trek show. Mm -hmm. And people just don't know it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that makes me sad. I feel like anyone who's a fan of Deep Space Nine, Ben and Jake, are like the thing they grab onto. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I just meant like in the greater scheme. Like when yeah. they talk about great moments in black television, nobody ever brings, brings up, up Deep Space Nine. Deep yeah. Space Nine. Yeah, never I bet that's up. probably changing. I hope so. Because this show is one that I feel like it wasn't really popular at the time. Like it had an audience, but it wasn't TNG big and nothing was going to be TNG big. No. Because um, that show was huge it was for just seven a years. Different um, thing, yeah. And then this weird other one comes out and it's slower and there's they're not on a starship and it's like... It's darker and murkier. There's a lot more playing with like grays and the geopolitics of space and stuff with the storytelling. The Federation really shows its ass. Yeah. Um, and also it's like a show you have to really sit and pay attention to at a time when TV wasn't really doing that in this kind of space. This is true. Um, it's not like where there's like 700 like CW Arrowverse shows now and they all intermingle and you have to follow all of them <laughs> from the beginning or you have no idea what anyone's doing. How does doing. anyone do that? It's exhausting. If I've you, fallen off, so. If you do that, will you write in and just. I did that for a good long chunk of time. Just like. I could, I could, I did it. I mean, I'm going to go back at some point. I understand the appeal. Like, don't get me wrong. Because I actually like when things interconnect. Uh-huh. In fact, the thing where I said I like Star Trek for Star Trek's sake, the most beautiful thing to, about Star Trek as a whole to me is that the biggest and smallest pieces of lore seem to work consistently. Yeah. Over time, like, I mean, you like Buffy and Angel the way those are mean. Well, what if there was yeah. four shows? At yeah, once? and that's how it feels. But it's not like a. M- DC thing where mm-hmm. I feel like I I don't know like it's not as exhausting because it's like they're all self-contained you don't I mean you could probably just watch Flash and when someone shows up they'll tell you enough to know but yeah. you get a lot like some people only watch Buffy and they're probably fine with that yeah but you get more out of the more that you're investing in the whole thing right uh-huh. I just maybe this is a long way of me saying I don't understand the people that only watch one Star Trek and that's it for them like people that yeah, only no. watch Discovery only watch DS9 only watch Voyager I'm like but I think how? TNG's the one people only watch yeah I could get so the only thing that I would say that is people who only like the original series I understand it if that's it's a, a if, different yes, animal if you watch that and you're like this is what Star Trek is and you look at the rest of this you're like what is this melodrama bullshit I understand <laughs> I get that. if that's the it, only thing you care about it's such a different I feel thing. badly for you because there's so much more Star yes, Trek in the world it's rich. and none of it is for you the original but, series is rough um, I love it but it's rough <laughs> yeah but if you grew up with it it wasn't rough for the time right? no like, no no not at um, all and so people had a lot of problems with TNG not being that and when yep. DS9 came out it was even worse they're like this violates Roddenberry's vision of what the future is going to be there's like conflict and the Federation line and it's bad um that's what makes it so good yeah but then we take like your friends who are like it's the best star trek it's the only one we care about and i don't think ds9 works unless you've seen tng yeah, and see I the stodgy ass like, federation oh, and in their defense they are watching tng now mm-hmm. they are giving it a good college try and mm-hmm. all of their criticisms are valid criticisms because that show sucks at women characters yeah and there's just like a lot of little problems and there's a lot of weird race, racial stuff. Like, the Ferengi are just shit on. Yeah. The entire time I was watching TNG, I was like... I mean, I think there's problems with the Ferengi in DS9. Me too. Yeah. But, like, the way they're portrayed in TNG... Yeah, it's the worst. They're just a well, joke. They were meant to be the new Klingons, because they need new Klingons, because Klingons are good guys now. Mm-hmm. And they made them too ridiculous. Because in the first couple episodes with Ferengi, they're, like, actual villains. Like, yeah. Like, putting everyone right. in peril. Mm-hmm. And then they realize, wait a second, these are, like, weird frog guys. They're not actually that scary. No. Not the way the Klingons were in the 60s. Um, and they just kind of didn't know what to do with them until DS9 picked it up and took it into a different era. And there's like valid criticisms about the way that Ferengi sexism is like. So it's interesting because like Ferengi get a bunch of like like icky traits that the shows are like, oh, we're above, but they put it on like a different race, which I think Star Trek does a lot. Yeah, like the racial I politics agree. of space yeah. allegory are weird. Yeah, um, I agree. There's also accusation of the Ferengi are like a Jewish stereotype, which I understand if you feel that way. Yeah, I, um, I won't argue with that. Yeah. Um, but there's also the, the view that I tend to take, which is a little more charitable, that the Frangi are us. Like, they are the people watching Deep Space Nine. Like, they have all the things that the society and humans today have. Even, like, whatever, when it came out in the 90s or whatever. It's still just us. Like, they're the point of view. Like, Quark's the point of view character of Deep Space Nine. He is. Um, and when you get past, like, really bad writing about, like, Zek shows up and they're talking about tube grubs and gross stuff and oh females with clothes how disgusting like <laughs> the things Quark wants is what people would want in space and I think that's interesting Enterprise kind of takes this and runs with like like conservatism in humans in a way that's kind of icky and bad because Brennan Braga sucks um but is Ferengi in Enterprise no but the humans are much more like humans today it's like a oh. show about like there's like a 9-11 season of Enterprise oh my god <laughs> um it's bad. Like, literal? Well, there's, like, a big thing that happens. Like, oh, we've got to be tough now. We've got to... Oh, uh, that's um, kind of a bummer. Yeah, it, it's bad. Um, we'll get there. Uh, 
so I think the Frankie are really interesting in DC's Nine, not without their problems, but that's kind of par for the course of Star Trek in general. The way that aliens get offloaded like negative human traits is very oh yeah like icky. There's so many things in the original series that like Kirk looks down his nose on some races, mm-hmm. and then when it happens, one of the script is flipped. Yeah, he's just furious. Yeah, and like the show wants you to side with Kirk still mm-hmm. even though the aliens are right. It's really funny. Yeah. Um, and TNG is a lot more kumbaya. Which... Well, yeah, TNG is like 80s, 90s, like liberalism. We're gonna go out there and do the best we can for people. We're like a soft ship now. Kids live on board. We have a therapist on the bridge. Yep, yep. We've got children and women who aren't in mini skirts, and we're gonna go out there and we're gonna show everyone we're all one big happy family. And DS9 is the show about like, no, even if you do that, you're still like stomping on people, and someone's gonna yes. like get left behind. The fact that Kara in the beginning is so against them being there makes perfect sense. She's completely yes. valid in being. But there's a lot. Federation. There's a lot of that show in the time where Kira, it's like, oh, she's just like a bitch or whatever. Like they're really? really like aggressive. Like she was well received, but there's definitely people who were like really leery about her in the way that like they overcorrected with Janeway, right? Where Janeway is like the first female captain, so she has to be all things to all people, where she has to be serious and super competent, which means she can't be overly sexualized, but she still has to be hot. So it has to be someone who's like attractive and we yeah, see that. It's really... But she can't be going around sleeping with people like Kirk because that has negative connotations. Uh, I someday they'll they'll well What? I was going to say, they'll have a woman captain who can just be a person. Philip but, Georgiou, but we but saw how that she only got She only got a little bit. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. Look, Michael Burnham will someday be a captain of a starship. I would watch a whole show. Tilly just, will be a captain of a starship. I will watch a whole show. Like, if they just wanted to do a season where it's flashbacks with Philippa. Because mm-hmm. when, when Discovery opened, it just felt like a TNG episode, and mm-hmm. I was the happiest woman alive. Yeah. And I know that, like, it's stupid to want more mm-hmm. of something that's over. Yeah. Uh, but I could have watched that. <laughs> okay. Things you didn't like about DS9? Things I didn't like? I feel like we didn't go over everything I liked. Well, we can but, talk about that. Um, we'll do criticisms first. Okay, so, like, the Ferengi stuff is a yeah. lot better than TNG. Yeah, but well, you, you grant the Ferengi, yes. Um, this might be controversial, <laughs> but it's not that I don't like her. But okay, so we talked about Jadzia Dax, who is amazing. Tip your chair over. Wonderful. She's like kind of a white savior to the Klingons. Jadzia sucks. Which is kind of a a thing. Oh, I like her. Um, She's not my favorite, but I like her. It's weird to me because up until she leaves the show, your opinion was Jadzia isn't very interesting. I don't really like her very much. She's kind of boring. Yeah. But like, in like she, you know what it is? It's because. They eventually make her better. Because at first she's but just But all the they give her lady. is, like, the stuff with Worf. Like, she's still the character who's, like... She's, like, a weird, like, slapstick, like, femme fatale character. Where she's, like, playing cards and knows all the angles. Yeah, and, Like, but they I, put a lot of, like, tropes in her. And I don't think she ever resolves into a person out of that. Mm, see, I like that she's, like, really fun-loving. I like that stuff, but yeah. they only mention it every once in a while. And mostly mm. just to make Worf mad. See, I don't... I don't agree. I, I feel like it was a little more fleshed out than that. Okay. But, like, okay, so she fucking gets killed off. And they replace well, her... Well, Terry Farrell wanted to leave the show. Yes. To be fair. Which was in her right to do. Yes. But they replace her since... Okay, there's, like, one troll on the ship when she's dying. And the, they put the symbiont in just the only troll who wasn't trained, wasn't ready. And that stuff's interesting. Her name's uh, Esri. Mm-hmm. Esri Dax, when she gets the symbiont. And I don't think I like her. You're wrong. She's Esri's so of, good. What are you talking about? She's very cute. And she's a good comic relief character. I really love when she eventually becomes friends with Worf. Mm-hmm. That's probably my favorite thing that happens it, to her. Yes. But then, like, like she's supposed to be a counselor, but she only, like... She's a counselor in training. Oh, yeah, I guess She's an so. ensign. She's, like, a child. She's just, like, I don't know. Like, it creeped me out that they cast somebody really, really young-looking and then tried to make her, like, the sexy one. I don't think they tried to make her a sexy one outside of Bashir's into her. Well, there's an episode where her Mirror Universe character just shows up I mean, to wear a leather jacket and kiss Kira. I don't know. I think she's kind of made to be like... Like everyone in the thing. Mirror Universe is like that. People think that about Mirror Bashir and he's like the grossest pirate in the world. He's so gross. <laughs> yes. Mirror um, Bashir is So the thing with upsetting. Ezra to me is they give you this character that's like everything Jadzia is not. And she's like weird and uh, she's neurotic and insecure. Yeah. 
and really wants people to like her because she has all these memories of these are her friends and she's going to try to help them. Um, but instead, she's left, like, trying to pick up the pieces of all of their weird emotions around the fact that she died and here she is again with someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and they give her, in every se- in every episode of a season that already has, like, a thousand things going on, they give her something interesting to do. In a way, it's, like, the perfect template for how you introduce a character into a show that's seven seasons deep and it's a complicated show and onboard her and give her, like, a place in the cast that doesn't feel super shoehorned in but feels natural to the dynamic that already exists. As soon as Dax died, I knew they were going to replace, they were going to do a symbiont mm-hmm. sort of a thing. I was like, they're probably going to have somebody. But, um... I just, I don't know. I It's not even like, I can't think of another alternative, like how to do that in a way. Because I don't disagree with what you just said. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like Esri that much. Maybe it was because she came in so late. I Esri don't know. is like many of your friends' favorite DS9 characters. I know, know I'm breaking Jackson's heart right <laughs> yes. now. And I feel really bad. But it's not that, I said that thing about Bashir last time we talked about Deep Space Nine. Uh, like I said, don't dislike her because I only wanted her happiness by the end of that thing. But I hated they put her with Julian. Wow. Mostly because Jadzia and Julian had such a like strong friendship that started out with him being gross at her and then her finally like drawing the line. But then all all of a sudden, I know Ezri's a different person, but it's all about how charming he is. He's so charming. Yeah, she has different preferences. And yeah, I know, but it just it felt kind of shoehorned in. I didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> That's all. Okay. <laughs> I don't hate her. All right. The actress is good. She is very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that episode where you find out her family's weird and mm-hmm. rich and her brother. That episode where she space CSIs that Vulcan serial killer. Yeah. I like that episode a lot. That's a good one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's the complication of adding an elite season new character or late show new character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I don't know who my least favorite character is. I feel like everybody there. Oh, I have an answer. I know you do, but I was gonna say like everybody fits in their place so well. Like I dislike Kai Win as a person, but I'm glad she's there. Yeah, no, for sure. I dislike Goldie Cott, but I'm glad. Goldie Cott's amazing. He sucks yeah, so much. Yeah, he's so amazing. That actor fucking kills it. Um. There are things I don't like about Quark. I find Quark mostly like yeah, I understand that. that capitalist sort I de- of like the thing is I see the writing of Quark where it's gross, but I see like the thing they're trying to do like past that, mm-hmm. and I can't let go of the thing they're trying to do for what he is. I like a lot about him, especially since Armin Sherman's written at length about the ways he was dissatisfied with how Quark is and what he wanted to do with that character and so what he represents to him. It yes, for you. yeah, and I don't have that. Whereas it's for me, it's just sort of like I'm giving. I'm taking what they're giving, and um, um, he was just always super horrible. But at the same time, anytime he had an episode where he was the center, those are some of the best episodes of the show. I don't like Odo. You don't like Odo. I don't like Odo. I think, Odo didn't do anything to anybody. Uh, I th- they put like they're like, oh, we're gonna have this shapeshifter, and he's like weird, did a I weird even, alien. Did I define? It? I guess I didn't mention that. Like I mentioned, he's a changeling, but yeah. I didn't go into that. It's so, like we're gonna get the shapeshifter, and he's a weird alien. And he's like a cop. He has a weird sense of morality and justice. Isn't that like a weird alien trait? And then they spend like three seasons not having no idea what to do with him. And then they decide, oh, they're, we're going to find the rest of his people and they're going to be the big bad guys. That's right, because he was the only one in his yes. species and his loneliness was um, like a thing. And that like really overrides who that character is where he just becomes a machination of the plot and I don't think they still develop him into like a person that I'm interested in. Yeah, they, they give him a like arc where he falls in love with Kira. Well, I mean, Which like, I don't even necessarily hate, but only because I like to see Kira happy because she dates the worst men possible. She does. You did this really funny tweet that was like, well, I guess Odo's an upgrade because these men are so bland yes. and he doesn't have any Yes, features. after Vedic Burrell and Shakar, the melted crown looks appealing. <laughs> um, I have mixed feelings on that relationship. Mm-hmm. I actually like them together once they got together. Yeah. Um, it seems like it should be a disaster. It works okay, yeah, it works but there's very right. little of the show left when that yeah, happens. Yeah, so. so it happens so late that like you don't they you don't really get a sense of what she. Well, sees they don't have time to ruin it. I think yeah. you get a sense of what she sees in him, but I they don't have time to ruin it. A lot of weird plots around the two of them. Yeah, because there's I so guess. much plot going mm-hmm, on. There's so much. I'm still sad about how everything ended, though. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So if you want to know what happens in Deep Space Nine after Deep Space Nine is over, you should listen to Second Officer Slog, 
That's me and Jackson's podcast, uh, Star Trek Podcast.space. Uh, we're reading Star Trek books. Uh, we started where DS9 ends with uh, the beginning of the DS9 relaunch, is what it's called, Avatar's book one and two, to talk about the things that happened after DS9. Like, Bashir and Ezra are still together, but it's weird, and it's clearly not going to work out. Uh, we, we're pretty sure it doesn't work out. We know what's going to happen to D- Ezra in the future. Um, like, at some point, Ezra is the captain of a ship. We is know that's happening Jake in the future. Is in the books? Yes. Is he okay? Yes. In the first... So, we've read maybe like eight of these books. In the first book, Jake gets like a... He finds like a Bajoran prophecy at Bahala, that ancient city that was under Bajor that they found. And it it's a like the book that they find of prophecy talks about like a monumentous thing that's going to happen when, uh, when the Avatar is born, who is the... Uh, the second child of the emissary, which is the baby that Benjamin and Cassidy uh. is going to have. And Jake's like, well, I need to talk to my father about this because it's going to be a big deal. And so he flies in the wormhole and basically disappears for like six months. Oh, no. Uh, and where we're at now, now, he just recently reappeared. And he's got Kyle Paca with him, the one they left on that planet. Oh, and I some thought weird she was alien. Dead. And he's like, I have information. And we're, there's a book about what he did in those intervening six months we haven't read yet. Okay. But Jake's around. Jake's doing stuff. He basically has been out of the books, but I think he's going to be a bigger deal going forward. Hmm. Um, is O'Brien in the books? Is he just still... He's leaving? living on Earth. Oh, okay. So he did go to there's Earth. A, there's a bit with him hanging out with Joe Sisko in a book. It's pretty <laughs> good. good. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, there's so many like good character quirks on this show. Like, uh, Sisko being like, Really into cooking New Orleans food because and like actually cooking, yeah, yeah, and like as opposed to replicating, yeah. And then like he uh, eventually falls in love with this freighter captain named Cassidy Yates, and she's super into baseball, and nobody plays baseball, so he loves baseball too. So like, it reminds me of that Chris Rock joke: "You like baseball? Yeah, baseball, good." (laughs) But uh, so like. Oh, there's an amazing episode where everybody plays baseball. It's probably my favorite episode, but it's, it's, oh, it's so good. But yeah, so like his, um, like, I don't know. I just love that he was not just the angry, stern Captain Dad. Because yeah. I feel like it would have been really easy to go in that direction. But he's actually good. No, he's like the most warm person. And part of that is Avery Brooks has like a very like stage like, he's very much a theater actor. Oh, Even more than, like, Patrick Stewart was a theater actor doing, like, the most... Every time he's, like, having, like, his emotional breakdown, especially in Far Beyond the Stars, it looks like he's about to go into, like, the Raising the Sun monologue. Yes! He's intense. Like, <laughs> yes. all of his line reading choices are weird as fuck. Yeah, it takes him <laughs> while. He's, like, very off-putting at first until yeah, you get Yeah, because I thought he was a terrible actor when we started I actually it, really love him. I think but... he's one of the best parts of Star Trek. Oh, he grows on you. Nobody's uh-huh. like that. He's and a... He's, a char- he's a character that's weird enough that I think you would need Avery Brooks to make it work. I agree. Um, yeah, it's... In that setting, it's perfect. Yeah. But yeah, oh, there was a speech once or not a speech but he was just yelling at everything he says sounds like a speech yeah and when, there was an episode where he was yelling at someone and he very shakespearean like rolled his r for no good reason for no reason like i can't even remember the word he was saying yeah. like, you're sending them to the grave and he rolled his r like a shakespearean actor and it made me so happy <laughs> yeah it was like a real musicality to the way he like speaks that's yeah. very good i yeah. like it a lot he's oh i mean he's probably up there as yeah. far as all-time favorite star trek characters but I refuse. Like, Picardi's my favorite. Like, I just, I don't, I don't know what it is. Picardi's my favorite. I think I like Cisco more than Picard. I like Picard more as, or excuse me, excuse me. I like Cisco more as a person. I like Picard more as a captain. I feel like the older I get and the more times I revisit Star Trek, the more I see the ways in which Picard fails because he's not, he's not a person enough. He doesn't have humanity in the way you need. Mm -hmm. Like, Cisco is like the most, he's like the best version of like really caring for people and sometimes it expresses itself through like anger and like disregard but he's like emotionally there in a way that Picard carefully is not I just I don't know there's something about that 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 captaining style that mm-hmm. I just really like but Cisco's a better person mm-hmm. as far as like just more interesting and more fun yes um yeah no he's awesome we have some questions. You want to do some questions? Sure. I didn't know we had questions. We have three questions. So this one's from Hunter. 
Uh, so Cisco somehow got a Federation office baseball league started in the middle of the war. The Niners' first game is against the Enterprise. What is their team name? <laughs> they are... Hmm. It would be something, like, referenced in an old book, like, from Moby Dick or some mm. shit like that. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm trying to think. What would it be? I mean, they're the flagship of the fleet, so it has to be something, like, ridiculous that, it, like, it, like, expresses that, mm-hmm. right? And it's, um, I don't know. The Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> The Red Sox. They just take the Yankees. Like, everything <laughs> the Yankees represent culturally is entirely the Enterprise. Um, sure. Who wins? Oh, the Niners. They're bad. They're the underdog. They gotta win. So, the thing, the name of this is they're bad, but they have people who care about baseball. No one on the Enterprise cares about baseball. All, and also, and Data's the only person who's probably good at it. This is true. Because no one, like, everyone's, like, vaguely athletic mm-hmm. on the Enterprise, but no one's, like, great. Uh, the third question, the third part of this, how does Worf take this? <laughs> which which team does he play for? Wherever his captain is. So he's going to go with uh, Cisco. I mean, at the end, Nemesis, Worf's not hanging out on Deep Space Nine. You're he's right. hanging out on the Enterprise. Um, I always felt like, I don't know, this is going to sound really weird, but I feel like Worf was more sincere with Picard than he ever was with Cisco. Which is probably not true, mm-hmm. uh, but just how I read a lot of their. Scenes I think together. Worf would recuse himself really? and not perform. Yes. Okay. Maybe he sees baseball as too frivolous. I uh, know he he was death to the opposition. He loved the baseball. <laughs> death to the opposition. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, from Chrissy, we have. Uh, I was always wary of a series attempting to lean on edginess or the idea that stories about suffering have greater artistic value, but I always feel DS9 did a good job of balancing telling painful stories with finding the joy in people's lives as well. Are there any parts you feel got too dark or too frivolous? Are there any lessons you hope current or future showrunners can learn from how DS9 handled occupation, war, and genocide? You had a really good observation. We watched this episode. It's the episode where Nog loses his leg Mm -hmm. in that skirmish. Yeah. And the criticism you had of that episode was sort of that, like, the war doesn't feel... Like, in an attempt to be more weighty and show the cost of war, Mm -hmm. it kind of fails. Do you want to, like, elucidate... I don't know how I'd say that in the reference to this. So, uh, <laughs> part of the problem for us is we were watching DS9, like, in, like the war happened after we had seen Discovery Season 1, for us, basically. Oh, yeah. And you take these two ideas of Star Trek and wartime, and DS9 goes so hard in, like, setting up the most dramatic situation. It's win or lose, and the Federation is the good guys, and they're forming a coalition across the Alpha Quadrant to beat back the Dominion. But all of it plays as, like... Every three episodes, Cisco looks at the wall of casualty names and broods for, like, half the episode. And it doesn't get into the nitty-gritty of these people that are, like, suffering until, like, oh, Nog loses a leg in this one episode. And then he has one episode to recover, and then he's back to basics. And it's just like how Picard was turned to a Borg and then fought his brother in a mud field, and he's fine again. They never address it. <laughs> um, and whereas Discovery is very much about these people are traumatized by the choices they make. They are broken people in a very awful situation that just keeps getting worse. Uh, the one thing with Discovery is it doesn't quite have the time because it's only 15 episodes to give you the breathing room to feel that stuff play out a little more. Like, DS9 is very good at human stuff and I don't really like the war. Uh, Discovery is very good at the war stuff, but I don't feel like they give you enough time to enjoy the people as humans. Like, the one episode everyone likes of Discovery the most is the one where, like, there's a party and a time loop and uh, Tilly's drunk and hitting on uh, musicians because it's the best episode. Because yeah. it gives you the stuff you want with Star Trek yep. where these characters are interacting in small spaces and it's more about the intimate character interactions than it is the big overarching plot. And I hope Discovery Season 2 has that stuff. Uh, I mean, we'll obviously be coming for SOS. You and me will be watching it. Yep. Um, we might talk about it here in the future. Yeah. Uh, if people want it, you gotta say you want yeah. it. <laughs> but uh, I just don't think the war in DS9 is very good rewatching it. Like, I really like the Kira Cardassian stuff. I really like the Bajoran stuff in general. I like Damar and Gold Dukat. But the actual Dominion stuff doesn't do anything for me Same. aside from liking Wayun. Um, the one problem I had with it is it's so obvious that the Federation's going to win mm-hmm. that it, the stakes just never felt high enough no yeah. matter what they did. Also, I feel like they don't do enough to invest the Dominion with things they want. Yeah, Like, exactly. it's like, oh, the changelings don't trust solids. That's fine, but you need to go further than that because, on, on, like, in a broader level, the Dominion isn't any different that much from the Federation. Mm-hmm. And that they bring, uh, they bring other planets into their fold 
win them over to their way of life. It's just the Dominion has a standing army of genetic soldiers and the Federation doesn't. But, like, if they give the Dominion more... Like, if they were right more, I think the war would have worked better and you would have had more material to work with. Yeah. Instead, you get Wayud and the female changeling standing in a room for, like, 20 episodes arguing <laughs> about shit. And not really arguing. Her just saying things and him going, yes. Yeah. So Jackson sent us a really long email. Oh, no. Did we have... I feel like... Were there any other... I guess there... Honestly, I didn't find anything too dark. Uh, one of the creepiest episodes is one where Kira gets kidnapped by this Cardassian serial killer guy. Mm-hmm. That episode was scary as hell. <laughs> uh, so Jackson said, It's been so long since I watched The Assigned that I barely remember specifics, but here's a couple questions and prompts anyway. Um, difficult to come up with questions because me and Em talk about Star Trek every week, which is true, and I feel like I know all your answers. So these probably be pointers towards topics I love to hear thoughts on. Uh, okay. Jackson asks, what are your feelings on the set design in the show? It's a little weird that there's been so much Star Trek and this is the only series that isn't set specifically in the Federation, uh, or on a Starfleet vessel. I love Elkara's, but honestly, it's aesthetic dominance as a visual language of communication and idiosyncrasies its presence would stamp out in the design of DS9 does a more effective job of expressing colonial nature of the Federation than some of the writing. How do you feel that the location design of DS9's location helps or hurts its storytelling? I think it... I don't think you have a show without that location. The thing I really like about it is that uh, part, it's not even the necessarily like the way in which it's alien. It's a, uh, it's basically one big set and it's all naturally lit in a way that the other, like TNG was not. Yeah. And you get very naturalistic angles of people. Like they use every nook and cranny of the promenade to have people in interesting situations over the seven seasons of that show. You're like, oh, I've never seen them at that storefront before, but it's enough of a thing that they could set dress it and light it and shoot it mm-hmm. because it's all lit like it was an actual space. Um, I love the way the weird Cardassian screens on DS9. I think it, like, the fact that the elevator sucks and has, like, handrails and is open <laughs> and you never want to take it. It's not like a nice turbo lift that's just, like, like cushy and carpeted and you tell it where to go. It's like, it's like this shitty lift that goes up it's and so it, like, rattles. And, yes. and, like, cold. Yes. Um, my favorite thing, and this is just because I like food, is, um, since... There's so many different people moved in. Like, there's a Klingon restaurant. Yep. There's a, um, like a... With the accordion. The Klingon who plays the accordion. Yep. There's, there's like, the Jumja stick uh, kiosk. Yep. Sells the Jumja sticks. So I like the idea that they took this place that was just mostly just for fascism and oppression. And they just turned it into like... A mall. Yeah, a mall. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Where you can sleep. A college campus. Choose a couple regular cast members and then choose someone from another Star Trek show to ship them with. Fun, Worf and Troy. <laughs> no, that doesn't count. I know it doesn't count. That's why I said it. Um, I really liked them together, but I understand why it wouldn't work out. He couldn't date a counselor. Mm. He just couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, as we saw. Um, who do I ship? Do 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 do. You know, this is a difficult question. I have my answer. I want to hear it. I think it should be Bashir and Stamets. Wow. Yes. They'd be cute. Yes. I don't know. I like It's go- basically what he wants out of O'Brien, but Stamets is actually gay and O'Brien's like the most cla- like straight man on earth. <laughs> he is the straightest man alive. He can't even admit that he loves his friend, even though he's like, oh, you're better than my wife. <laughs> it's, like the, <laughs> it's like the straightest thing you could ever say. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good pairing. You have something? I feel like, well, like, this isn't romantic, but I feel like Tilly and Ezri would be best friends. Mm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the book that we're reading for SOS this month uh, has one chapter that's uh, Emony Dax? Mm-hmm. The fourth Dax or whatever, who's the gymnast uh, hooking up with Leonard McCoy. <laughs> that's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I could totally see a Dax <laughs> hooking up with Dr. McCoy. Yep. I could totally see, like, Janeway being super into, uh, Philippa Georgiou. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is fun, but I, I really have to think about it. <laughs> I would just like to see the conversation between, uh, Janeway and Cisco. I don't actually think they get along very well, but I want that conversation yeah, to happen. I would love just an episode of all Star Trek captains sitting at a table being like, when we're done with the show, we can watch that movie, The Captains, which is not about this, but it's close enough. Yeah. It's weird and interesting. Yeah, I'll um, just write fanfic. <laughs> aside from baseball, what other sports would you like to see explored in Star Trek? Um, wrestling, 
Uh, that's in Voyager. <laughs> really? There's an episode with The Rock. That's fucking weird. <laughs> UPN crossovers. God, Voyager is weird. Like, I've only seen a few episodes, but they had a Beowulf episode. Yeah. <laughs> Their doctor is a hologram. It's a go- It's all the goofy, like, one-off episodes that you don't get in DS9 that TNG had in one show all the time. It's just Except that all the time. the characters aren't as solid. No, that's the one That's problem. the one bummer. Like, I love everything about it so far. There is not a character that I truly love. Oh, no. I love the Doctor. I, I love the Doctor. So but, like, it's easy to love the Doctor. I like Kess, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Wrestling, I guess, but it's already been covered. Yeah. Um, that weird... Sport from the prisoner with the sticks. <laughs> That's a good answer. I like that one. Uh, Destiny, what are your top three episodes? Oh, no. Of DS9. This is so hard. I don't know episode names. Yeah, I you just... just tell me. I'll let you know. Okay. So, my number one is probably The Visitor. Yeah, it's one of but the best episodes of Star Trek I ever made. Might be the it. best episode of Star Trek. As someone with a dead parent, that was the hardest episode to watch like oh my god we I, watched that shortly after my parent died yeah a, too yeah and, like it's like a double whammy of pain because mm-hmm. your dad had just died and my mm-hmm. mom's been dead a while but like it still stings and the idea of jake just nope can't talk about it i will, I will start crying the visitor's on my top three so okay and then mm, uh, shit i wish i knew this coming in i would have prepped uh that episode where, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a Cardassian who feels a lot of guilt over what happened, and he... Do it. Yes. He, like, constantly... It's in season one, maybe season two? Yeah, season it's a one. really early yeah. one, but it's so good. Yeah, that's, like, the first great episode of Deep Space Nine. Mm. And then... Mm, the baseball episode. Taking out to the Aussie, which <laughs> yes. is a great episode. Which I almost picked the casino episode, but I think the bada, base... Bada bing, bada bang is what that one's called. Thank you. Uh, the casino episode is actually probably fourth. Uh, uh-huh. the only reason I prefer the baseball one is because just Cisco just being so driven to win and then at the end kind of forgets it. Like he remembers, oh, this is about fun, togetherness, mm. and that Vulcan gets so mad and I love a mad Vulcan. <laughs> um, my second is probably Far Beyond the Stars, which is the Benny Russell takes place in the 60s. He's a sci-fi yeah, writer. It's very sweet. But I love it. It's got a lot of cheesy nights. I think the thing it's about is like so key to how I feel about Star Trek, where Star Trek is the thing you look at and you see the people we could be like now, today, if we wanted it. And it's so important to me in that way. I don't uh, disagree. I just... And then my third favorite <laughs> is probably It's Only a Paper Moon, which is the Nog recovering from his injury in that the episode. That episode is so good. Yes. Um, going back to... Um, Beyond the Stars? Far Beyond the Stars. Far Beyond the Stars. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I really enjoyed, and this is totally just me being a nerd, is seeing everyone out of their makeup. Mm-hmm. That was like the highlight of that for me. That's really good. <laughs> In an episode that's really like full of amazing things. Uh-huh. Uh, this is for you, Destiny. Now that you're a Star Trek expert, if you had free reign to pitch a Star Trek show, what would you pick? I would just do something in a post-DS9 world. Like, it doesn't matter. Because, like, Discovery is pre, like... Pre-TOS by 10 years. Yes. And then everything else is, like, in the middle. It's it's all happening kind of overlapping. Like, Voyager, DS9, and TNG kind of overlap. And I would love just more of that. But I don't know how they would pull it off. Okay. I know they're doing, you know, books, obviously, second half of the slog, but, like, as a TV show, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if it's, we're on a planet. I think the problem with that is, you, if you did it right after DS9, you'd have to bring, the people would want actors back, and they're all yeah, too old. Yeah, no, no, I, and I'm not saying I want And that. so you basically have to have Next Gen again, which is just another show at that point. Like, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it's not, because, like, the amount that TNG ties into TOS is very little. Oh, it's very little, And yes. if you did that again... You can do that, and I'd be interested in that show, and I'd love to watch it, but it doesn't, it's not going to be the thing you wanted after Deep Space Nine. You wanted another show that they made immediately in, like, 2001. Yeah. And they did. It's called Enterprise, but it's a bad show. And it's just not... And I like it, but it's a prequel, and it's a bad show. The thing that kind of, like, when I heard what Discovery was going to cover, I remember being disappointed, because I was like, well, didn't Enterprise try that already? Enterprise is very different. I know. Okay. I know that now. Yeah, but it's at like the time, years before. And... 
at the time I was like, why are we doing this? And then there was also like, I think at the time they were saying each season of Discovery was going to be that a was the original era. pitch that uh, that Brian, Brian Fuller, Fuller had. had. Even when, before he left the show, they weren't going to do that anymore because CBS was like that's expensive and we'd have to jettison our cast. No, <laughs> that's true. I'm glad they didn't do yeah. it because I really like this cast. Um, <sighs> yeah. yeah, I kind of just. I guess it makes me sad that there's, like, nothing that's going to be built on the idea of, like, this wormhole and Cardassians trying to figure out what the new Cardassia is and Bajor finding a new Kai. Like, all that little stuff for Ranginar post-Zek. Um, like, there's just a lot of, like, stuff that I kind of wish they'd get into on a TV show. Okay. But I don't think it's possible. I would like a pre-TNG show. Like, the discovery of TNG. Like, oh. ten years earlier... The Federation Cardassian War, because there was a war that happened because O'Brien was part of it, they mm-hmm. referenced. Yep. Uh, this idea that the Federation is in like this weird place where they want to go ex- like colonize the galaxy, basically, but they're still fighting these weird brush fires that have been going on for years and years, right? They're like, oh, we've got a Klingon Starfleet, and we're building these galaxy-class ships that'll be ready in a decade, but what do we do now when we sit around and, like, do we go and ex- explore the galaxy, or do we, like, close ourselves off more now that, like, the galaxy is settled, quote-unquote? Um, I want to see that show. I think that'd be really interesting. Or just give me, like, ten years after the Federation is founded, like, the sequel to Enterprise, but without any of the Enterprise characters. Um, just, just like, the first fleet of Starfleet starships going out into space having very little idea what's out there. So the movies? No. No, more, <laughs> more like just the Enterprise, but, like, Enterprise, but well-written. Okay, Yeah. And, like, maybe do, like, three ships and you just jump over whatever, like, which ship you're on each episode or whatever? Uh, for the record, just for the curious, I've only seen the pilot episode of Enterprise and then opening that's set in the Mirror Universe. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, who's your favorite Mirror Universe character? Is it Kira? Because that's mine. I mean, Everyone's like, favorite disaster broadly, game. probably Spock, but if we're oh, talking DS9, DS9. Yeah, uh, Kira. Because there's so much Mirror Universe in uh, Deep yes. Space Nine in a it's way that I did not see coming. Probably Mirror Vic Fontaine, <laughs> baffling as he is. I was so... <laughs> I was not ready. <laughs> I was like, this show's fucking weird. Yes, like, never remarked upon. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I guess holograms get a mirror, too. And they're real people. And they're real people, Yeah. No, all know. the Vic stuff's amazing. Mm-hmm. I um, such a weird character to be introduced so late. Yes, and be so out of sort. You like this is not going to work. This is the hokiest shit in the world, and it works really well. Oh, I came off of Angel, who totally has a Vic Fontaine character. Yeah, no, in he Lauren. totally does. And yeah, <laughs> so like I was. Yeah, game. you like Lauren. I was like, you're gonna like Vic, but I'm excited <laughs> to get that because I didn't tell you anything about Vic. No, Fontaine. I did not see Vic coming, yeah. and I don't. I don't have a thing where I think that Rat Pack shit is cool. Yeah. So like I don't I, particularly like it either. I kind of like hated the songs. Oh, when, see, I like the songs. I don't like the like the culture around it, but I yeah, yeah, went through culture, a standards and, phase. So. Yeah, I kind of put them together. But like the show does a really good job of one showing how that can be appealing to aliens because they all have a song. Like Kara and Odo have a song that's a Vic song. Worf has a mourning song from Vic when Jadzia dies. Like, Nog fucking lives there to rehabilitate when he loses his leg. He lives there for, like, weeks. Yeah, and he, like, <laughs> expands the business and they're gonna go to California. It's so funny. Uh, and it also just stretches a lot of what the holodeck, or, excuse me, the holosuites can do because on TNG, it was just always, like, they're broken. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, a goofy episode until, like, the second act where it tries to kill them all. Yep. Or it comes out of it and tries to kill Picard. Or, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. But, like, uh, ain't an excuse for them to interact with, like, literary characters. Mm-hmm. But, like, on Dream Space Nine, it's just, like, here's a guy. He knows he's a hologram. And he just wants to entertain you. And, yeah. like, <laughs> I love it. Um... I feel like I had more to say about that, but I guess I really don't. But mm-hmm. yeah, Vic is a treat. Um, I also like that uh, Cisco calls out that, yeah, my black ass would not be there in real life. Mm-hmm. So it's weird that you guys all love this hollow deck. That's a good episode. But it's like, I get I get the appeal, but like more so I get the why it appeals to these aliens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all we got. Yeah. Most episodes are really long. Yeah, I know. I could go on. I know. That's the sad part. I'm like, we're done? But we just got started. We have more Star Trek to watch in the future. This is true. I'm very excited for our 
Voyager and Enterprise. So episodes. we're we're picking up the original <laughs> series slowly. We might do an episode about that once we're done with the animated show and just put them together. Yeah. Um. Maybe we'll even rewatch some of those movies. I'd love to do that just for fun. Uh. And then, then I think we might. I think we might watch Enterprise before Voyager. It's shorter, and it's the thing that Discovery is going to pull from before it pulls from Voyager. Yeah. They already pulled from Discovery a little, or from Enterprise a little bit. Which is going back to what I said about how all the lore fits really well. Mm-hmm. It's nice that the, they took a show as hated as Enterprise and still wanted to give a little shout out in Discovery. I mean, that's why Star Trek Beyond is good. They mentioned shit from Enterprise in that. Yeah. So. No, it's really surprising to mm-hmm. me. Because any other franchise, I feel like, would try to sweep it under the rug. Yeah. Star Wars Christmas special style. I mean, look, Darth Maul's in fucking Star Wars again, so, so all is right in the Maybe world. there's hope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a new hope. I almost said that! <laughs> oh, we need to break up. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh, we're supported on Patreon, patreon.com slash mapping. Listen to Second Officer Slog if you liked any of this. Me and Jackson love Star Trek and talk about it as much as we can. It's a good show. Uh, Dusty, where can people find you on Twitter? At FridgeBuzzNow. Uh, you can find me at EM underscore Bing. This podcast is at your favorites whenever. FYI, tell your friends. Uh, maybe, you know, let them know if they like Star Trek, listen to this. If they don't like Star Trek, listen to any other episode but this. <laughs> and we'll be back next week. See you out there. Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they'll all remember that old saying, power corrupts. Power corrupts. Power corrupts.